Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jengaship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Have we stalled long enough? Can we start the show before we uh, all go we, for Trump we were ready a while ago? Oh, this okay. was just way too good. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. Tonight, our uh, friend and musician, Joseph Dunlap, joins us on the show. But first, as always, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing great. I have only one news story for This Week in Geek this week. Luke, McKay, and I got engaged. That's right. We're getting married. That's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Obo Crazy, and I'm getting married. The world is indeed an amazing, beautiful, love-filled <laughs> place. And I am just all the feels right now because... You, and you yes, for those of you couple. who wanted to know, this is, the, this is, with the exception of very close family... This is the official announcement. Like, I so, just now posted places. So you heard it here first. You, you got to tell us a story of, like, how this proposal came to be, though, or at least give us some details. Well, the sad part is it's actually very pedestrian because for a very long time, we've talked about getting married for a very long time. And there was no official, official proposal because, for those of you who don't know, Luke is Canadian and I am American and our governments don't like that. So we've actually been in contact with a lawyer since December. We've been planning out what he has to do as far as visas go for a couple of months now and trying to figure things out. So we're, we're finally kind of going down that road. Um, if you would like the official um, proposal, as it were, beyond the whole we've talked about what we're going to do to get married, uh, two nights ago... Luke and I took Mary and Chris, our, our wonderful hostesses in their house, out to dinner, and I got down on one knee and officially proposed to him. Huh. <laughs> it was very simple and quick. And then, and then we, we enjoyed awesome, awesome Irish food. So, But the reality is this is something because of the, the situation with having to prove to the government that we are really in love and do want to marry and it's not a green card thing. This is uh, something we've had to talk about for quite a while now. It's just, it is official. Luke, congratulations on the longest green card con ever. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> God, some lawyer is going to, some, some government official is going to listen to this and be like, ah, ah I think if, knew it. I think if dun, they dun, listen dun, to dun, this dun. show, like, at, at any other time, they would realize, uh, like, how long you guys have been dating. Yeah. How, how affectionately you guys talk about each other. So I, I think 
if anything, listening to this show would prove, hey, these two are legit. This right. is true. Also, I would like to congratulate the Rooster Teeth community for being incredibly crazy quick because as I was announcing it, I actually hit submit on the journal entry that has the the announcement. And within 28 seconds, I have 11 likes and three replies. So apparently the Rooster Teeth community is crazy fast. Hang on. That was one of them. I'm I also. I'm there. And my bow. <laughs> and my sword and my axe and oh yep there's there's more holy crap it's uh it's gonna explode because we announced it on glib shark we got a couple of listeners so uh well there you go thank two. you glib shark so who thought that the two of us would be getting married to other people this year <laughs> whoops that is oh, okay so we were talking about it i don't know if this will make it into the show or not we we were saying how I have been on this show longer than I've been going out with Luke. Um, Jenga and I have actually danced together before Luke and I got together. So there is there's a lot of history with the show, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to make the announcement here, because I love you guys. We love you, too. And we're really happy for you guys and definitely for Luke. Like I have room with this guy. I've known Luke almost as long as I've known you. So, I mean. That's that's just wonderful, and uh, I think our fans are all happy for you, and we're all very excited that uh, that this and you guys have been together for a while. So it's it's been many many years. So, but now I've taken away enough um, attention from our wonderful wonderful guests. So thank you for letting me take over all that time. But it works out perfectly because you know, as you know, Joseph also does the uh, five question interviews, and uh, you were featured on them recently. So, hey, Joseph, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. So actually, I was—I actually have the uh, the five-question interview here with um, with Lauren up, and I love like the format of it, like the back and forth transcript, the kind of casualness of it. Is that something that you wanted to to do right away? What was your your goal in mind with the five-question interviews? Um, you want the whole story then? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, every time I drive home from RTX, I come up with a brilliant idea. Last year, I had already thought of the idea for a tribute to Nico. Or I, I guess two years ago now, and I thought a lot about it on the drive home. This time on the drive home, I thought, what it would it would be cool if I started a blog, shared some media stuff, and interviewed people in the community for the benefit of the community. So that's when I came up with the idea of a format where people reading have the power to decide what questions are asked, as if they themselves had the opportunity to interview, interview them. And so I decided it would be very casual that we would just move from question to question, just see where things go. Uh, I, I find where the person being interviewed wants to go with the interview, and I take them that direction. That's actually why there's a pre-interview that I send them and they fill out. Um, and then I can find out if there's anything they want to talk about, if there's anything they want to promote. That's going to come up next week, actually. There's an interview I'm doing where there's going to be some promotion going on. Tomorrow I'm actually interviewing Caleb and... Uh, he's reappearing on the interview. He's been on before, and we're going to talk about Game Kids. So we just kind of move from topic to topic. Sometimes it's kind of a formula, which is what do you do? What games are you playing? Let's talk about Rooster Teeth. And I'm who, reading the interview. Who is here. your daddy, and what yeah. do they do? <laughs> and I love that this is actually the most recent interview you have with Lauren before she made this announcement. Or this is the most recent interview Lauren, I, I assume, is done. I don't know what your uh, your media bracket looks like outside of Glibshark, but it gives you some insight because there is some Lauren and Luke talking here as well. 
Yeah, and she even hints towards the proposal, which I kind of – my thought was, okay, he's going to get to move over. I didn't quite get that there was a proposal involved. Huh. Oh, yeah. He, he flat out asked me, and I basically just said, we're working on it, knowing exactly what was going to be happening. So he, 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 got, he got the, he got the, the teaser, as it were. What was it exactly? You're like um, – I was like, what's it like, you know, with Luke being an artist? You said, well, actually, the Canadian part's the more difficult part, but we're going to change that. And I'm just kind of, okay, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, I think my exact words are something like, we're working on changing that quite soon. So <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I, I may even put a little update at the uh, bottom of the interview after this and put that picture up. That is a fantastic banner, by the way. That really is. Luke did, a, Luke did a great job on the, the engagement banner. He did. He did a fantastic job. And that's actually, he did like three of them so that we, <laughs> we, and I, by me, we, I mean, my parents had something to choose from. Hmm. Like it, it almost has like a cell, a cell shaded feel to it. Almost as if it's a video game where you play either as Luke or Lauren and you need to fight like five or six obstacles and avoid like the government and all the enemies of you guys getting together or something. And at the end, you get a wedding. I like yeah, this Yeah, yeah, I get it. In the picture, you've chosen Luke, but if you choose Lauren, then it rotates. Yeah, it, like that, <laughs> that picture comes forward. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. We're going to get to work on that game right now. Make this happen. What's a company that does the Street Fighter franchise? Let's get them in that's on Capcom. this. Capcom. There you go. Capcom, we're willing to license our likenesses. I, I once taught uh, some Capcom folks uh, Bonanza at PAX East. And I was pretty drunk, and I was I was very surprised that I uh, that I did it correctly. So I think I've still got a couple of contacts. So I'll, I, I'm sure they're higher up and and can can expedite that whole process. So I'll uh, I'll get on that. I'm surprised you didn't like harass them about when uh, we call it Darkstalkers three is coming out or four or whatever. Why they the are fuck would I do that? <laughs> I don't know. Just randomly, I just randomly, <laughs> I just randomly picked a Capcom game from the nineties. I was uh, well, Darkstalkers actually wasn't that bad. So. They had their own cartoon. They had to have done something right. They they had their own cartoon where they skirted the fact that like what Morgan I guess was her name was a succubus that drained men of her of their sexual energy, but it was still a kids' cartoon. So I I don't know what she. I think she hey. kissed people or something. I I don't remember. That's basically what Carnage was in the Spider-Man cartoon. A succubus. What? A succubus. Well, no, but like he, like he, 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 Dra- you can't have trading men with like... sexual energy. <laughs> well, that puts it, a different it, spin on the character. It was implied, right? Like, no, because Carnage can't hack people to bits. Like he would just like extend his tendrils and suck people's life force out of them and give them to his lord, the Dread Dormammu, who's actually a Doctor Strange-like villain. This is the strangest conversation we've had with a guest in a very long time. I'm glad you qualified it in a very long time because we've definitely had stranger. And yes. I have gotten you back for what you did to my interview. This ah. is true. <laughs> that was totally unintentional, though. And I love that you have, like, other people that we've talked to as well. Like, Noobs has been on here, Bree. You mentioned Caleb, our buddy Grady, Kathleen. Yeah. Sarah, a, a few twice. of them grabbed on because they're, uh, they're forum mods now. Oh, yeah, gosh, it's like the new class. I feel like I say that so often that it's like there's so many generations that have come since that like I, I, I don't know if I'm old, I'm old school. I guess I'm – am I old school yet, Roadblock? Uh, I think you do qualify, yes. Yes, old school. 
But it makes sense. I mean, reach out to people who are, you know, active in the community or high profile. And are also who are, you know, receptive and friendly and uh, or make a good for a good interview. I'm sorry, though. I actually stopped you from saying something. Oh, You're our yeah. guest. You get to just interrupt anybody at any time. It's your problem. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I've had like eight years to talk. I'm good. Feel free to chime in at any time. <laughs> no, hey, yeah, Jenga. I got a lot of people that you guys know on there because um, they're people I know as well. Um, I mean, a lot of them are really cool people. Actually, they're all really cool people, but uh, it's been a very enjoyable experience. Kathleen, you mentioned Kathleen. Um, we're still in talks. We're still in talks. We're still scheduling. Okay. Um, but Grady and I have scheduled. Caleb and I have scheduled. Uh, a few others that I've announced are still scheduled. So, good things in the future. Well, that's exciting. Jonathan, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Jenga ship. Interrupting Jenga ship. <laughs> we you are know, the worst. I couldn't think of you like the the sound that personifies you the most. I almost went with you know, but then I was like, no, that's me. Well, or you could have just played the Perfect Strangers theme song, as we previously explained. If you don't but, make the Bibby Bopkas with love, the Bibby in the Bopka goes boom. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty much the extent of my Perfect Strangers memories. I want the dance of joy, man. Now we are so happy, we do the dance of joy. And they go, die, 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 die. Oh, hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. But Joseph Dunlap, you do not come in second to a 25-year-old sitcom. I assure you. I'm older than that sitcom. Oh, well, that's true. I think we all are. Yeah. Are you? I, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not, there's no spring chickens on here. We're, we're all pretty seasoned. Yeah. Speaking true. of interrupting cow. For for years, I would tell my wife the interrupting cow joke, but I would tell it as the procrastinating interrupting cow, and then just remember, to, like three months later, four months later, that I told the joke. So then I would finish the punchline three, four months later, and then she would go, "Oh yeah, well, <laughs> last year I I really came up with a lazy way to tell that joke, and so I preceded it with I think two unrelated moves over a few months." And then I finished it up with knock knock who's there time traveling interrupting cow. And now I just interrupt her randomly, like maybe a year goes by, and then she goes, Oh yeah, he's time traveling now. That's funny. It was I such I, a long setup. I tip my hat to you, sir. That is how do you keep it interesting? Time lapse jokes. Yeah. It's almost like slap bets only definitely more friendly and less likely to land you in jail. Jenga and I are both taking copious amounts of notes right now. Please so continue to give us <laughs> advice on keeping things fresh in a married life. All right. So uh, here's, here's what you want to do. Um, you just kind of don't want to care. You just kind of want to keep things going as normal. And that's a lot easier for you and, uh, for you and Luke Lauren. Actually, I, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm being a bit glib. Wink. But, Let uh, self <laughs> go. Got it. But uh, honestly, like... For uh, uh, for newer couples, it's it's a little bit different because you don't have that great shared history and cohabitation, which is important. Um, I think it's gonna it's a lot easier if you've if you've lived with someone for a long time, and and Lauren, you've definitely done that. So honestly, marriage probably won't change a whole lot. I might 
I, I mean, I'm definitely not going to hit on you less when you're a married well, woman. I might hit I, on you more. I not only expect you to continue to hit on me, I expect you to now also hit on Luke. Well, I've been I've been doing that too. I mean, I can, I, <laughs> I, I, listen. Someone I can, once I can told continue me, both. I, I I was told two great pieces of advice years and years and years ago. One person once said, "You know the that the person you're with is the person you want to spend your life with when you can fart in front of them and either everybody's fine or you giggle." And two, you know the person you're with is the person you want to be with when you find yourself lying in bed, the both of you just playing on your phones, perfectly content to just play on your phones together. And both of those things are true. But we should get back to talking about Mr. Dunlap. I've been I have playing Minecraft with my wife lately. Ooh, Minecraft. Minecraft is always a good thing. Have you five questioned your wife? Is that a euphemism? No. <laughs> I was going to say Sex yes. Move in Sri Lanka. <laughs> like you mean an interview? No, I have not interviewed my wife. I think they call that dating. Perhaps, but the five questions is such a public thing. I was wondering if you ever were interested in doing something like that. Well, now that you mention it, maybe. Maybe I'll uh, put a post up and see if people are interested. So I'll ask another question. Now, having been interviewed by you, so people might be interested to know that. So it happens over Skype live. Uh, we just <laughs> type to each other. And I didn't know what the questions were in advance, although I saw where you posted asking for questions. So I guess I, I could have snuck a peek. Um, has have you ever had an interview in where someone has tech has typed in something and then gone back and said, oh, wait, no. Don't say that. And you, you don't have to name names. I think so. I mean, first off, almost every person I interview says, I hope you proofread because I'm terrible at, at typing or and something along me. those lines. Yeah, you're one of many. Almost everyone says it. And I tell them the same thing, which uh, I've got years of experience proofreading. Um, I've had people who say, no way, I meant to say this. Um, sometimes... Like, they'll correct their own typo, which kind of defeats the purpose of asking me to. And there have been times where I'll ask a question, just like a follow-up question, and then realize that I was mistaken in my assumption when asking the question. So I, don't, I just leave that part out of the interview. For example, um, I was mistaken when I was interviewing Sailor Tweak, the head guardian, and... She said that she likes to paint the kill numbers of Red vs. Blue characters. And for a moment, I thought she meant how many people they've killed. And so I asked her what Caboose's kill number was. But I already know it's negative one. I've got the t-shirt. And she said it's negative one. And I just I, I slapped myself in the head and realized, oh yeah, that's what a kill number means. So I left that part out. Which makes sense. And that must be one of the good things about doing it over uh, text is being able to selectively edit when someone has a whoopsie. Because you, you can't understand a lot of intent without, you know, voice. And you have to just rely on text. Yes. And if I ever transition to a audio format, which is what you actually assumed it was, you assumed it was transcripts. I've 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 had a conversation with a guy that doesn't live far from here who um wanted to help me 
transition it to an audio format, but I told him I needed to get my sea legs first. And if I ever transition, it can be a lot more of a candid nature to where I can make a stupid comment like that and then compl- and then just um, explain my misunderstanding and just move on from there. And that way, because you're right, there's a lot of subtext mixed, missed when reading, especially when I edit out smiley faces and LOLs. Um, that you just kind of lose that, and if it was audio, then there could be a lot more back and forth rather than me typing and worrying if they're typing and them worrying and worrying if I'm typing and so on. Yeah, audio is definitely a different animal. Like you do lose a lot if you're just reading a transcript as opposed to um, – I don't know if you've been listening to the Serial Podcast or not if you're familiar with it. No. Okay. Well, anyway, like uh, Serial, of course, was a sort of spinoff of This American Life where they focused on one story of a, sort of a murder mystery like over the year. And then he was ta- – the person who did it, Sarah Koenig, was talking to, uh, to the uh, suspect, Adnan Syed. And Adnan, he only wanted – he didn't want to listen to it. He wanted to read the transcript of the show and he said, well, this is what it actually is. And Sarah was trying to explain that, no, no, it's an audio product and it's supposed to be listened to because you miss so much by not getting that. But uh, I mean – I'd be afraid of a transcript of my show. Like, actually, if someone took all the words and removed all the context and the relationship aspects, because I feel like Roadblock could come off as a real jerk. I, he doesn't uh, already. So I take that. I take offense to that because <laughs> I would hope that I would come off as a jerk even more so when you listen to me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you're that. I, I, I dumbed it. I, I dialed it back a little bit. Farts. Sorry, I'm, apparently I'm very distracted by uh, text messages coming in for some strange reason. My real oh. name makes everybody sad. Oh, yeah, the whole uh, flurry of congratulatory texts, I'm sure. Don't worry. In post, that, w- that won't be nearly as long or awkward. Or we'll just throw in random Make like, it a cakes. lot longer. Or like me saying, beetle boop. Can we just put like random beetle boops in the middle of the call just to designate texts? No. Beetle boop. Fine. I, I added five of my own. I'm good. For a split second, I thought Lauren was just kind of randomly texting that I remembered. And then that put me back to when my kids were born and how much my phone blew up during that. It's a good things, blow up, though. Things you yes. need before labor. Overnight bag, hospital things, phone numbers, and a phone, two phone chargers and a backup battery. Well, I went <laughs> home um, every night. So, and in fact, when my son was born... I got a lot of texts and Facebook comments and things, and then I typed them all up and printed it with, you know, attributing who said what, and then gave it to my wife. That way she could know what everyone was saying. Aw, that's really she, nice. She liked that. And then I think with when Sarah was born, I didn't want to go to all that trouble, so I just read it to her because I had a better phone then. That's sweet. That's kind of awesome. Yes, it was. I mean, that'd be crazy. Like, uh, I mean, we talk about having like significant others on as for the interviewers, but what if you did, did one of your kids? I always toyed with the idea of just getting my microphone equipment together and just recording me and my nieces talking for like an hour just to see what kind of craziness would come up with them, if they'd actually do something kind of entertaining or not. My son is super entertaining and he's actually on my YouTube channel. There's, I think, three videos of him. And then we have some home movies where we just kind of make up scenarios that might be in a movie and I just record him and I've got that on my computer I, I didn't upload that um, 
like a dragon chasing an airplane or something. Ooh. On YouTube, though, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Most recently, um, he memorizes how to train your dragon in like every supplemental DVD that they make, like the little shorts. And there's one where it's like a Christmas thing and they're celebrating Snuggletog and the dragons run away to an island to procreate. And <laughs> and so everyone's missing the dragons. Only Toothless couldn't go because he's got the broken fin or whatever, the tail. And um, let's see. Um, my son memorized the entire short. And so there's an entire scene where uh, Hiccup's talking to his dad, and then Hiccup finds out that one of the uh, uh, one of the kids was hiding their dragon in their house and not telling anyone that their dragon was still there. And then that dragon, uh, Hiccup, finds it, and then they end up flying to the island because he's stuck on top of it. And my son narrates that entire five-minute scene, and then I, I edited the video of him talking, and sometimes it's voiceover, and I'm actually showing the scene with the volume down, and lining up the lines with him saying it. It's really okay, that's funny. that's adorable. It is. Yeah. It's super funny, the way that he narrates it. That's cute. And then kids have this amazing... I mean, they're it's a cliche, but they're like sponges, right? They can learn such a ra more rapid capacity than we can. I remember when I was a kid, I when I was bored, I, I would just play episodes of Ren and Stimpy from memory, scene for scene, line for line, in my head, like I was watching it on the VCR. I don't think I can do that now. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, that was Lion King. Ah. And I had some friends in, from school that we all memorized the entire thing, or at least we thought we did. Um, and then we would – we were on a field trip one time. We were like all five of us quoting the entire movie. I think we assigned parts to everyone and then sang all the songs as best we could remember them. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was, that was the movie back in the day. I remember Lion King came out like 22 years ago. For a second, I was going to be sarcastic when you said that was a movie. Then I realized I think you were talking about the Broadway musical as well. Oh, Broadway. It's funny. Broadway's like 90 miles away. I've never actually seen a show up there yet. That's disappointing. Yeah, one of these days. I'll make time for it, I'm sure. You need but to go I, watch Avenue Q. I need to go watch uh, Lion King again now that I know that Rowan Atkinson was Blackadder and I've actually seen the Blackadder series completely. I think it will change my perception of Zazu a little bit. Zazu's always been cool. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh man, Avenue Q. Gosh, I've seen like I think all the all that's the thing with musicals and stuff. All the songs come down to me one by one before I can actually see the entire thing. But that that's just what how you know that it's an awesome musical if you've already heard a whole bunch of the songs. And definitely Avenue Q is one of those, and where you'll be hum humming some of those songs for years. Oh yeah, I I find myself singing those songs just randomly. And my wife will look at me like, huh? Although she knows the songs. But just like, why are, you, why, why are you in this mood where you're singing Avenue Q songs? I almost lived on Avenue Q. Only wow. there was not an Avenue Q where I live. It's a different street where Avenue Q should be. And I, live right I lived right next to it, like on the corner. So you don't live on Avenue Q. I don't. That's so sad. You were robbed. By, by cartographers. 
<laughs> Wait, map makers are the one. Who, I I thought it was just whoever was planting the sign gets to make the street or some some city well, official. Cartographers I didn't think... are the ones who codify it, right? Once you see it on a map, it's like it's a done deal. Until then, anything can change. Illuminati so carto- confirmed. <laughs> Cartographers. <laughs> you know, cartographers are the Illuminati. Exactly. That's a t-shirt waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you you mentioned cartographers. That made me think of that time that. There was a map maker who had an ink blot on the map, and everyone copied that ink blot and thought it was an island until finally people looked to find it and couldn't find it. <laughs> Is this a real story? Yes. Oh gosh, ink blot cartographer. Are you googling? I am vivaciously. Uh, <laughs> I'll vamp while he's doing that. Do it. Vamp away. Hello. You know what vamping was like in uh, Into the Woods? The uh, musical, no, not not the movie. In the, I, I was the pianist for the musical at college, and the vamping was chunk, 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 the same chord just over and over. And I, I'm not joking, Lauren, there was a 1-4 measure with a repeat sign, mm. and that was the vamp in a, a particular part of the musical. Because Stephen Hon- Sondheim is awesome, and sometimes Stephen Sondheim is stupid. I mean, I'm going to have to disagree with that wholeheartedly. (laughs) Oh, I love him, even though he sometimes pulls shit like that. Why wouldn't you just write a 4-4 measure? Come on. I I don't know. But I do. I do really like Stephen Sondheim. If if I'm going to sit and actually watch a musical, I'd much rather watch on the the Sondheim spectrum than, say, um, the Andrew Lloyd Webber spectrum. Yes, I'm very much more on Sondheim, and he's been an influence on my compositional style. In fact, in graduate school, when I had my recital, um, there was a piece for, I think, 13 instruments that I had that the band director of the college walked up to me after the recital and said, I hear, I, I liked your piece, I hear this and this, I hear some Son- Stephen Sondheim in your music. Ooh. And I looked at him and said, yes, thank you. Very cool. Which would you prefer, Lauren? A one-four measure with a, an infinite repeat sign with a Q after it, a la Sondheim, or the thirteen-four measure in Rite of Spring. No, oh, both of them are completely unnecessary. Um, I think yeah. I'd go with the thirteen-four measure just because it gives the conductor more options about giving information. If I've, if the conductor has to be in one, there is only so much they can do. I really want to see a conductor do thirteen four. It's it, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, not it's actually been a very long time since I've played uh, the Rite of Spring, and it's it's a lot of oh yeah, this we're going. I'm going to conduct it like this because it just makes more sense this way, you know. So it it's a lot of the conductor is going to do something that's not necessarily on the page because it's what needs to be done. Oh my god. I mean, As an oboist, it seems like you start to run out of limbs to wave. Yeah, you, you kind of do. Lauren, as an oboist, um, did you put Rite of Spring on your resume after playing it? Because it's kind of like that hard. Oh, no, no. As an oboist, actually, there's there's technically harder pieces. Like it, there's some crazy stuff in there, but there's not a lot of um, 
there's not really any huge solos unlike you know a lot of other pieces out there um for me beethoven's ninth i'd stick that on my resume Ooh, any day yeah. i've played that a couple of times now and it always i i always feel an immense sense of accomplishment finishing that because it is it is grueling it is exacting it is gorgeous um there is literally three pages in a row in the scherzo movement in where there is not a a a single beat of rest for the principal oboist. Um, it's gigantic. And so after 45 minutes, you still have to play a couple of huge, very prominent solos. It is a small orchestra. So even when you're playing with the ensemble, you cannot hide. Um, I would I would take Beethoven 9 as much more difficult over the ride of spring any day. As an oboist, especially. As a principal oboist, without question. Uh, now, granted, that's my own personal opinion, and all oboists will vary, and I do not speak for the entire Double Reed community, but yeah, I would. I will I ask you one it. more question before I change the subject, which is um, do you think in Rite of Spring that it might be more of a prestige thing for, say, the flutist who gets to play bass flute, or the French horn player who gets to play the tuba in G? Or two bit oh, enough. I think the uh, I think uh, bassoons. I think the that bassoon, the, the bassoon solo, Ooh, and then the yeah. the stuff. I mean, that is so exposed, and that's like the one thing everybody knows, and it is super hard. And yeah, if I was the principal bassoonist, I'd be quaking in my boots. Yes, you have to count that thing out. You can't just fake it. No, there's no faking it. You just you have to have that thing inside, outside, and backwards, and forwards, and upside down. So I just want I, uh, to say that the ex- the views expressed on this podcast reflect those of the double, double read community at large. Oh, they do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All the double reads. All the double reads. So I, I punched uh, the story into a search engine, and the first thing I came up with is a place called Galveston, which I think is what happened to Megatron in the uh, in the Transformers movie, and it's off the coast of Texas. So it's not a real place. It's just something that a a map mistake. Oh, I beg to differ. I got married in Galveston. Well, Galveston's Galveston a real is place. Real. Wait, really? No. This that's, yeah. that, that's just something they make up to scare kids. No, it's a uh, it's a little coastal town uh, outside of Houston. It's about thirty minutes south of uh, like southeast of Houston. Huh. There's oh, a big. But... Uh, there's actually a port of Galveston, and there's a big uh, uh, cruise dock there. So there's like. Several cruise lines run out of Galveston. Actually, the ship that we got married on was originally from New Orleans, but it was ported in Galveston because of Katrina, and it hadn't it hadn't gone back yet. So it's like its decor was very like uh, was very like French American that kind of thing, very, very Parisian, and it doesn't make any sense because it's it's fucking Galveston, but. Uh, but since it was originally ported out of New Orleans, that's kind of what it was paying tribute to. So well, Galveston why, is very much a real place. So why would Unicron transmute Megatron into an island off the coast of Texas? Uh, for the lulls? Ah. Okay, now it all makes sense. Ah, you learn something new every day on this podcast. The so-called geography expert gets his comeuppance in the form of an island that was once a Decepticon. <laughs> DuckTales. woo woo <laughs> Yeah, I think this just it's gotten the age where like all of the encyclopedia like knowledge of my eighties and nineties cartoons is just bled into real life at this point. But hey, you were gonna shift subjects. I was. I forgot. Ah oh, nuts. Damn you, Galveston or Galveston. 
So actually, I have a little bit of a, a side that we that we neglected to talk about last week, oh, and oh, uh, something that just happened uh, last night. The national championship. We'll talk oh, about yeah. our picks here in just a second. I was wondering about that. Oh yeah, and I'm feeling pretty good about my picks last week. Yeah, you you got one on me. I I went four for four, so I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I went three for four. You fucking ass. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's screw you. Uh, who was it? <laughs> was it the fucked us? Oh yeah, it was Indy. <laughs> Indy, no, you don't don't us all this. I no, it's us. Win. We're seven and sure eight, enough they pal. did. Well, I guess they did bring the show adverse down overall to what eighty seven point five, something like that. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. But I think the most interesting thing was the was the national championship, where I thought for sure that Oregon was just going to hand. Ohio State their lunch. I mean, this was a team that, yeah, it's an Urban Meyer team, but it was just, uh, I mean, it seemed to have gone through a lot. But they, but you can't argue with the result. And I think, I think someone rightly pointed out that a team like Ohio State wouldn't have had the prestige to get to the national championship game in the old system. And now that there's a playoff, we've act, we actually shook out like a legit champion that won that that got there via grit, luck, and uh, and surviving adversity. A lot of adversity. Whereas previously it was mostly luck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ohio definitely deserved to win that game. Um, on, the, on the Philadelphia side of things, it's interesting because there's a small but focal contingent of people that are just fed up with the whole quarterback situation and want Mar- us to do whatever it takes to, dra- to draft, to switch ahead to get to Mariota, which makes no sense. There's no rational... There's no reason behind that whatsoever, right? But Mariota didn't play. I don't think he played badly, but clearly wasn't the answer last night. No, and that was just that was punishing physical football. That was that was that was oh that was a win like an urban you'd expect from an Urban Meyer coached Ohio State. Like like his Florida teams definitely had a lot more flash. Uh, this one was just, we're going to sock you in the mouth and then we're going to run over you. Yeah. Good old smash mouth football. And, you know, maybe an argument for at least keeping it this way for a couple of years and looking into maybe even expanding it. I, I think expansion is key. I think, I think you, don't, you don't grow college football without expanding it because I think they were saying that the first two semifinal games were higher rated than the NFL games that week. NFL playoff games. Well, I believe it because, you know, that college fan base, there's a ton of markets in this country that don't have really an NFL team to cheer for. I, I think immediately of the boy in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, who actually wrote all 32 NFL teams to find a team to cheer for. And only one team wrote him back. And it wasn't the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys. It was uh, Carolina of all places. It was Carolina. And they sent him a helmet and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. And that's a, that, you know, as Washington's fortunes fall, that's a market, that's a team that's going to get more and more fans. I mean, they made playoffs. They had a losing record, but they made playoffs. They almost squeaked out a winning record this year. That close. But, uh, All right, but yeah. well, that was a fun aside. Yep. Back to our... Uh, I feel like back- we've excluded half the podcast from our, from our conversation. Sorry, Joe and Lauren. Lauren, what's your favorite key in music? My favorite key? Yes. Oh, D major. D major? Yeah, Are it's super easy Beethoven's on the oboe. Nine? No, it's just super easy on the oboe. <laughs> oh, okay. Have you it, ever played the clarinet? Badly? Oh, many times. 
Did you find that weird drill area? Uh, was it um, like C and C sharp? Oh, well, anything over the break is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I do. I do uh, a little bit of doubling on saxophone. And so if I'm going to single read it up, I play I play there. Uh, what actually drives me nuts on clarinet and one of the reasons I'm bad at it is the open holes. Hmm. I'm not oh, used yeah, to yeah. that at all. So I sold my saxophone because I couldn't stop squeaking. Oh, you just need softer reads. Oh, uh, okay. Wait, fair and square. wait, your saxophone phone is squeaking. It did was. you did you did put you down the ducky? <laughs> put down the ducky. I knew I was missing something. Put down the ducky. Sorry, I went Sesame Street. Sorry, I was saying something inflammatory. The Cowboys lost fair and square. You have to retain control of the ball after you hit the ground. Yeah, I, absolutely. No, I I I watched that call live. Uh, one of my buddies was like, "The fix is in." When it got reversed, and I was like, "I I could see kind of their point," and then going. Uh, looking at it again and and hearing some more analysis of the rules, it, it's they got it right. Yeah, and just as much as they, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing that happened the previous week because there were two back to back controversial calls like in those games. But um, at the end of the day, success is an art of inches, right? You do a, it's not that you do one or two th- big things right. You have to get all the small things right, and yes. the success naturally follows, right? So blown calls are part of the game. So you can overcome a blown call if you're able to get everything else right. And I, I, I've heard arguments one way or the other, but whatever. But like there – it's not one mistake. It's not one blown call. It's, it's all these little things that add up and kill you when those things happen. It's, it's uh, like um, a basketball team thinking that it comes down to the game-winning shot when it really comes down to the free throws they did five minutes ago, right. ten minutes ago. Yeah. If you make your shots throughout the game, then that doesn't become an issue. Gosh, I'm thinking about. I'm not even really like a sports guy. Sports guy, like I, I'm a fan of like football and such. But our church runs a basketball tournament, and I always you know talk to our kids about this, like especially the younger ones, about like how it's um culture beats talent every day of the week. If you're able to form a team culture and get them you know understanding these things, and they put in the philosophy and the practice, I'd rather have five hard workers than 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 two superstars on a team any day of the week. I think you see that a lot in video games these days. I mean, games like. Destiny in some of the PvE stuff, games like League of Legends or Smite, where teamwork is, where you could be going up against a team of randomly assorted people who might each be better than you, but since your team works better, you'll prevail. Right. And I think I think especially in League of Legends, that's true. Uh, obviously, you get that in like a lot of the first-person shooters. Um, uh, your Call of Duties, your Halos, uh, your Team Fortresses, especially with that that was a, that one's a key one. Actually, it's funny. We just uh, before we were playing in, uh, we were coming on the show. I was playing uh, Destiny. There's a new Iron Banner event, and we played a really really good match. I think the team that we had, aside from our one rando, worked really really well together. And um, and I mean, there were there are people on that team that are just the good Crucible players. Uh, we had. Our good friend uh, uh, Lauren Crozier, uh, aka Lauren Doodles, and she uh, she was uh, she's solid like all the time. And then we had unexpected performances. Like Izzy actually put in a really good performance. Uh, uh, the game that I played last, I'm sure they played games since then. But uh, it's just it's all about how your team communicates and works together. And and I think you're absolutely right. And I think we've seen that time and time again 
in all sports. I think basketball especially you see it more because each of the players is is kind of highlighted more. So I think yeah. I, I think you see that a lot there and and probably baseball too. I think with basketball the difference is too that like officiating can swing the game one way or the other more heavily than any other games. So much of it is objective. In fact I, I have really a, go ahead. I was gonna say I have a cousin who's convinced that the NBA is fixed in favor of the six major franchises in each of the regions and it's based on officiating. That they'll never let anyone but a Boston or a Chicago or whatever, whatever teams have lasting, like drastic success. That is all geared towards feeding whatever team is big in your market. And I have some disagreements with it, but the argument's out there. I'm sure you can Google it if you want. That's actually similar to the politics in Drum Corps International, which is you're never as good as your previous season. The judges tend to be more critical of you if your show last year was terrible. And it has to do with um, just kind of going with the core that you prefer as a person. But I wanted to carry your sports analogy over to... I was about to say, as soon as you mentioned DCI, I was like, I think I know where this is going. Yeah. Now I'm going to break away from music for a second. And I want to carry that teamwork analogy a step further and say, regardless of the endeavor, the game or sport or whatever... um, the the broader analogy or whatever would be that it doesn't matter whether you have the more powerful tools to work with. It's what what matters is the execution, and you can beat someone who has better tools than you have, better players or other things. And that was because I wanted to steer the topic towards Magic: The Gathering, but I probably won't. I yeah. perfectly fine. I mean, I We're, know that. <laughs> Uh, I don't I want played, to alienate the entire well, audience. Well, I, I, I played, like, the thing that I play in Magic the most is definitely, like, pre-release tournaments. Because it's the only time, like, my friends can convince me, oh, hey, play in a Magic tournament. I'm like, okay. And this is coming from a guy who played tons of Magic in college. Um, but, but these days, you, you definitely see it. Because especially in a pre-release draft, everyone literally has the same tools. Yes, there'll be a card that that one dude has that he pulled from a pack. That is the OP card from that set. But by and large, you're going to be successful if you, if you are a good player. And, and draft tournaments definitely bring that out. The last pre-release I did was actually the last one that was held, although this weekend is a new pre-release. Um, and I pulled an insane card, and I was going undefeated. And then my kids were starting to go ballistic because it was really late. And so... We went home, and I conceded to the guy that I was about to beat so that he could actually go on and get some packs. Oh, and nice. It was like late on in the tournament, there was one round left. Uh, we were fighting for um, being undefeated at four rounds, and I think there was a fifth round after that, so I just conceded it to him. Uh, but I, I had an insane Planeswalker card that I went on to trade with someone for a Planeswalker I needed. You're right. Occasionally, there is that bomb that gets pulled. Although I I was at a pre-release once where a guy had, in the color combination he was playing, he had almost every card you would expect him to have. Like, he played one, and I went, oh, okay. He played another one. I looked at him, oh, cool. He played, by the time he played the god of his color combination, I just looked at him like, really? And he looked at me like, yeah, really? And then he played a few more, and I was like, seriously? This guy? It was just, it was ridiculous. 
Yeah, I actually, I think there is a buddy of mine who wanted me to go to this one. And I'm probably not going to because I've, I've got some other stuff I need to do this weekend. Uh, and I just realized that next week is PAX. Like, I realized yeah. that today. And I'm like, oh, I, maybe yesterday. I don't remember. I, days are kind of blending together. But I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I have legit real things to take care of before then. Yes, that's right. Because Grady and I uh, are scheduling our interview. And he's got side quests to do next weekend. So we couldn't do it next weekend. We're doing it this weekend. It's so weird. Like, this is, I think, the the stealthiest of packs has snuck up on me. And I was actually talking to my sister about it because I'm, I'm from San Antonio, so I'm going to get to see my family when I'm down there. But I, since I did not have to buy plane tickets, nor did I have to book a hotel because I'm staying with our good friends, uh, uh, Amanda and Jonesy. And uh, so I didn't even have people. to do that. Yeah, awesome people. And I just, all I needed to do was schedule my time off. And I finally remembered to do that like a couple of weeks ago. But I was, this was during the time when it was still 2014. So I'm like, wow, Jan like late January is like a way it's off. And then I'm sitting here like almost mid-January going, oh, shit, I haven't done anything for it. Like I was thinking about trying to cosplay or whatever. No, I haven't gotten anything together. I'll, 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 people will be lucky if I show up. Get a vote for Pedro shirt. <laughs> that's, that's the cosplay. Drop my sweet mustache. You can be Pedro. Vote for Pedro. And vote, vote for, for Joseph. What? <laughs> Don't vote for me. I am way underqualified for whatever you're voting for me. Well, I'm just saying any general election that comes up, I'm just sort of giving my general thumbs up, ringing endorsement kind of deal. Can I get in that? Can I get that in writing? We'll see. <laughs> You've Where got it even better. You've got it on a podcast. That's true. Lauren, can we have so it's, Luke it's draw a picture of Jenga with his thumbs up and it says, uh, I endorse Jay Dunlap? I think what we can get is a picture that uh, Luke draws of Jenga with his thumbs up and then just a blank area that you can yeah. insert any text oh my God. you want. <laughs> a t-shirt idea number three for, uh, for us. And make it one of those like writable materials where you can oh, just no. like write in whatever you want. Yeah, like dry erase. Perfect. They're gonna make me say things like "keep gamergating." <laughs> Welcome to the internet, my friend. Welcome to the internet. Uh, the most interesting man on the internet. And uh, well, that's actually. And I'm actually glad, as the most interesting man on the internet, to give my ringing and an soon to be animated endorsement to you, Joseph Dunlap, Dunlap who can find at Joseph underscore Dunlap on the Twitters. And where else can we find you? Well, um, if you want to hear my music, then it's on YouTube. It's J Dunlap Music. If you want to read my interviews, it's jdunlapmedia.wordpress.com. Yeah, press those words. Yes, press them all day. Very good, man. We, we had a blast. I mean, I feel like the hour just kind of flew. Thanks so much for coming on. We got to have you back on soon one of these days. I didn't make it gross yet. Uh, on my t-shirt, I'm going to draw his thumbs up butts. Oh. <laughs> that's about – that's the normal note we go off on. Hey, hey Roadblock, <laughs> who, who do we have next week? We have me. 
Well, I'm going to be talking about PAX, how much it snuck up on me more, and what I'm looking forward to, and what we're going to be doing and stuff. So it's going to be our our per usual pre pack show, and uh, and we'll have some fun. We'll probably throw in some other random stuff for it as well. That's exciting. You heard it here, folks, folks, gang. And uh, be sure to listen to our past episodes, including the one that came out uh, featuring our word vodka uh, with uh, Sailor Tweak and uh, and our own Oboe Crazy and, and our friend Casey. So that's a pretty good episode. And our episode and all of our episodes are really great. But uh, but that one particularly, I think, was a shining special jewel. And our of drunkenness. Shot, of yes. Yes. And yes, thank absolutely. you, Word Rango, for inspiration. <laughs> Real quick, uh, before we go, I wanted to make a special note uh, for a fan of this show and someone that we've had uh, that on before. Actually, this is our Suddenly Chum for this week because we oh, forgot cool. to do it. Hey, Suddenly Chum. <laughs> it's uh, back. Yeah. All right. Hey. So our Suddenly Chum for this week is Lauren Crozier, who I previously yeah. mentioned as, a, uh, as a, a tiny, adorable killer in Crucible. Well, today was actually kind of a big day for her. She had a shirt release that she designed uh, from for Rooster Teeth. So if you go on there, and uh, it's the it's the Grim shirt from Ruby, but it's it's inspired by Jurassic Park. Uh, if you go on there and see that shirt, um, uh, Lauren designed it, and now buy they're selling it. So go buy awesome. it. Yeah, show Rooster Teeth that uh, that. Utilizing artists like Lauren from the community who rule is, is definitely the way to go. So, Lauren, congrats. You're a suddenly chum. Good job on the shirt. Hey. Yay. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jack Edithil. You have at road underscore block and then at oboe crazy. Uh, be sure to congratulate her on her impending nuptials. Yay. Yay. And you can find the show collectively at Glib Shark. And uh, on behalf of Jonathan Cerna, Lauren Urban, and the entire Glib Shark staff, this is Jack Edithill saying good night, good health, and stay sharky, my friends. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.